Welcome to Refresh, a podcast designed to revive, recharge, and renew your faith and give you the tools to follow Jesus. Refresh comes to you from the Salvation Army in Gwinnett County, Georgia. We meet in person every Sunday at 1030 a.m. or online on Facebook and YouTube at Sal Army Gwinnett. We are excited that you have joined us this week and pray that God will bring his word to life. And now for our speaker. The tension was really thick in the room. You can almost feel it when you walked in. Voices were being raised and disagreements were being shouted from both sides. It was just a madhouse. It was so loud. The topic, well, the topic was grace. And it has caused a division among the church. One person shouted in the room, unless you are circumcised, you cannot be saved. Well, this one comment caused Paul and Barnabas to stand to their feet and to share to all of them in the room that it is through and only by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. This was a topic that started to to pop up in all of the gatherings across the church, especially in the early days. You see, Judaizers, these Christians, Jewish Christians who who believed that the law was required for salvation. Yes, Jesus did come. Yes, he did save. But we must follow the law. We have to. You see, they felt that their heritage, their culture, their history were being dishonored by this new grace concept. Now, this wasn't a topic that Paul was going to be able to agree to disagree on. To Paul... The topic of grace either makes Jesus the Messiah or not. Either Jesus had the power to forgive or he doesn't. So Paul believed full heartedly that Gentiles who have never and will never plan to follow the Jewish laws are equally saved under the blood of Jesus. This was worth fighting for. The fight was so important that Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem to speak directly with the remaining disciples who followed Jesus and the elders of the church at the time. The issue, this particular issue, needed to be solved. It needed to have resolved. It needed to be put to rest so that the church is in one accord on this issue, on this topic. As they traveled from Antioch, where they were, they started to head down to Jerusalem. And the scripture says that each little town that they stopped in, they professed the name of Jesus Christ. And the scripture says that each little place they stopped, more and more came to know Jesus. And they were Gentiles, preaching on grace, come and know him. And in fact, when they arrived in Jerusalem, when they finally got there, word had traveled ahead of them that more had come to the faith by just them simply traveling to Jerusalem. And when they arrived, they were greeted by all of the men, the disciples and the elders with open arms, congratulating them and saying, well done, we've heard all about your travels. 
and they welcome them into their presence and into their home and into their space there in their church. However, sitting in that same room when they arrived were converted members who used to be Pharisees. They were there. Now, they couldn't believe, these Pharisees, they, they, they couldn't believe that these two people, Paul and Barnabas, were being greeted with such open arms, in fact, with almost a joy look on their faces that they arrived. When Paul and Barnabas entered that room, when they stepped in to come and talk about the serious issue of grace, the ex-Pharisees did not greet them. In fact, they only said one thing to them when they walked in. They stood and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. They have to be. And then immediately the tone in the room changed. It was obvious that this particular topic, well, was something even they had been wrestling with. And then, oh, and then, the debates this side started to argue why grace is important, why we should consider it at least. And the other side would stand and say, but it's our heritage and our culture. We can't neglect this. This is the Old Testament. This was the old ways. We had, and the arguments and the, and the debate began and it began and it went over and went over and went over. And then this side was for it and this side was against it. And then finally, it just got so loud and so much shout, so much debate going on that Peter the disciple that Jesus called his rock. He stood and said, brothers, brothers, all of you in this room know that Jesus commanded me to tell the gospel to the Gentiles so that they may believe. It has already been proven that God has given certain Gentiles the Holy Spirit, just as he's given it to you and me. God has made no distinction between us and them. For, for he had purified their hearts just as he did ours. So why then? Why, brothers? Why do you require them to follow the law when our own history proves that even we can't? It is by grace we are saved, just as they are. And as he finished, the scripture says, the entire room fell silent. For the first time, the word of grace had penetrated the hearts of those seeking Jesus. And to break the silence was James, the brother of Jesus, and he said, brothers, it was from the Gentiles that God first chose Abraham to become the father of our nation. Therefore, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles to seek and turn to God. And in that moment, they all agreed in one Accord. And they came together to write the church's first creed on grace. 
officially ruling that both Jews and Gentiles are saved by faith alone and not by the law. This meeting that took place in Acts chapter 15 will become known as the council at Jerusalem and will forever change the church's view of the law and the power of grace. It will go on to shape very important beliefs. It'll spark and initiate movements throughout history. It'll even influence and write doctrine, including the eighth doctrine of the Salvation Army. We believe that we are justified by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he that believeth hath the witness in himself. Father, we pray now. We pray for your spirit to move among your people, for the words in your scripture to jump off and become real life. We pray, Lord, that we don't walk out confused. We don't want to to walk out of here and say, what was all of that about? We want to know exactly what you, you want for your people. Father, we pray that only the words coming from this pulpit is the gospel truth. No, 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 no outside influence, no personal opinion. God, I pray if I say anything that is of those, that is, that is not the gospel, correct me on the spot. I only want your love, your grace to be preached from here. Father, we're your church. And when we sing to you, accept that as worship. But God, now we open our hearts and our minds because your word is being spoken. Lord, speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is the conclusion. It's hard to believe we've already been at this now for several weeks. We've been on this series about Galatians. And we've been talking about standing on grace. We've been talking about this this grace thing for some time now, haven't we? You would think by now we'd all figure it out. But here's Captain again. I had to write another one about it. Jeez. Maybe it's because God is having to teach me every day too. Because grace is both yet easy and complicated. Because it's something that you and I have a hard time doing and understanding why a guy like God would offer it so freely. But here we are. We're now in the last week of our series. And over the past several weeks, what we've been doing, we've been going through this journey that Paul has been writing in his letter. Now, if you remember, when Paul had uh, learned that the Judaizers were making their way in the church leadership, in the ranks. If you recall early on, he had been told or had found out that this kind of more legalistic Jewish Christians were coming in and making their way up to leadership roles. And when they did, they started to remove the doctrines of grace. They started to remove it out, saying, no, 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 no. Grace is not a thing. That's the, no, it has to be the law. It's got to be follow the law. They have to do this. And so that's what initiated Paul to write this letter, or what we call a book. But it was a letter that he wrote to the churches of Galatia. And it was to keep the topic of grace at the forefront of their minds. Don't dismiss it. Don't forget it. Don't compromise. Don't agree to disagree. There has to be grace. Grace has to be the thing. 
So Paul is writing it over and over again in this letter. It's a black and white matter. There's no gray area. Either you believe that Jesus is powerful enough to save you on his own, or you don't. You have to choose. And today, we're going to look at chapter 5, where Paul has given four chapters now. We've gone through four chapters on his arguments and his truth on the topic of grace. And so here now, he enters into this chapter 5, given the bottom line. What's all this been about? Why have I been going on about grace now? Why is he preaching it over and over again? Well, it's simple. The answer to that is freedom. Freedom. Well, how appropriate to be talking about that on a day like today. Freedom. This is why he's bringing it up. This is why he keeps, just keeps hitting it home. Don't forget. Don't compromise. Freedom. It is for freedom in Christ. So here's what he writes. He writes, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Well, in other words, what he's writing here is don't fall for the lie that in order to be saved, in order to be in God's good, gracious hands, that you have to do anything extra outside of faith. That this is the way to him. Faith in Christ alone is all you need. If that is true, if what Paul is preaching here is true, then grace is worth defending. It's worth bringing up. It's worth talking about over and over again. It's worth displaying and showing to those who need it more than anyone else. That you and me. It's worth doing these things. And so here, if it is worth defending, it probably would be wise if we actually define what freedom is. What freedom are we talking about? Why is Paul keep talking about freedom in Christ? Freedom in this. Does freedom mean having, well, having faith and then just doing as we please afterwards? That we have the faith, we believe that you are the Messiah, so that now gives me, I have the freedom to live as I choose and please. If so, if this is the definition of freedom, then this will be the very thing that the Judaizers were trying to prevent. This is what they were trying to stop. This idea of, whoa, whoa just grace? You, you just, all you have to do is just believe, and then you can do as you wish. They started to see all these things happening already in the future. Whoa, 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 whoa. See, here's my opinion, is that their intentions, the Judaizers' intentions were not evil. They weren't evil people. They weren't the bad guys. They didn't come in and, and try to just shake things up. These were people that came from a generational understanding of who God is. Therefore, Father, and therefore have seen and been in the presence of God. They have been rescued time and time again. They've been in slavery and now they're not. They have seen the hand of God. They were coming in to say, you have it wrong. They were coming in to protect it. They were coming to protect what they saw was so worthy of their time and efforts. We're not the bad guys here. What they were doing here is that they were just trying to pour in what they knew. However, in their quest to protect the church, they fell in back into their old ways. 
They leaned back into what they knew. We know the law. So this is what we're going to enforce. And it's for your own good that we're doing this. Does that ever sound familiar? Now, that's the first time you've ever heard that, isn't it? See, their hearts were in the right place, but their methods were going backwards. They're not bad, they're not evil. So then we must define freedom. Well, Paul does that in the next few verses. He continues on, he writes, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the entire and whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from grace. You have fallen away from grace. Now let me be clear. Let me just say right now what's on everyone's mind. This scripture has nothing to do with circumcision. Nothing at all. Well, why is that the thing he keeps bringing up? He's got nothing. It, it, it has nothing to do with that. Here, he isn't suggesting that all of us go get circumcised or not get circumcised. At all. Circumcision was the thing. It was the thing that separated the Jews from the rest of the world. It was the symbol. It was the thing. In fact, it was so important to the Jewish male that it was indeed required by, you guessed it, the law. It was a law requirement that if you were going to be professing or be, if you're going to be one of us, then you got to do this. That's why he's focusing on it so much right here on this thing. It seems to be the thing that kept the Jews from experiencing freedom. What was it originally intended to be a symbol of God's love? Ended up becoming a symbol of nationalism. You can't be one of us unless. There's no place for you among our people unless you do this. There is no unless with Jesus. There is none. With him, it's always been come as you are. Come as you are. Now, let me hear me when I say that. I have to tell you this, that Jesus wants you just as you are. But once you start spending time with him, something remarkable happens. Amen. Something happens. It, it, it's, it's just it's hard to explain at times. We, we come as we are, but we never stay as we were. And it's not because Jesus is like some nagging spouse or friend who just wants you to change. If you could just change, then we can do this thing. Just change, and then you can be one of us. That's not what he's doing here. It, 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 when you spend the time with him, it, it just kind of, it just happens. It just happens. The blind begin to see. The mute begin to speak. The lame begin to walk. The drunk becomes sober. The abuser becomes peaceful. The prideful becomes humble. The absent father comes home. Marriages are restored. 
and relationships are reconciled. This is the power of Jesus. This is grace, as these things here. This is why Paul is making a big deal about this. It's worth talking about. We come as we are, but we never stay as we were. This is the power of Jesus. We don't have the time to be wasting on the silliness of church. We must keep our eyes on him. We get so caught up with ourselves. I'm talking to those in the church, those believers. I've been doing this for a long time. If you're not a believer right now, then you're a fly on the wall and get to, I'm going to kind of talk for a moment. Your time is coming. Hold on. But for us as in the church, we kind of get hung up on ourselves a little bit. It's not, this thing is never about us. It's always about him. We keep our eyes on him. He's going to make us do uncomfortable things. But if it comes from God, it's because something bigger is coming. A movement is coming. A revival is coming. And it is. It is coming. God's going to call his church to do things that maybe in our generations we've never done. But we must stand firm. We must have our faith in him and go as he commands because there are souls depending on it. We can't be focused on us so much that the, the world is dying. We have to go. Do I know what that is? No, not yet. He hasn't, he hasn't emailed me. But I'm going to tell you, I can feel it. God is doing something. He's doing something with his church. Now, I have to address the very next verse the next few words, if you will, which is in verse, chapter, verse 4, which Paul writes this. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, in other words, let me tell you what that means. Those of you who are stealing grace away from those seeking the Lord... You have been separated from Christ. You're a thief. You're a robber. And you've been separated by him. By, away from Christ. You have fallen away, Paul writes, from grace. Now, usually, usually, when we hear about falling from grace, it's usually in reference to a person doing something immoral. They have done something wrong or immoral, uh, most of the time we see that term when pastors have to step down from leadership from behind the pulpit, either because they, they, they've had an affair, they've been embezzled, embezzled money, whatever, fill in the blank. But we call that he has fallen from grace. Now, falling from grace, I'm going to tell you, is a real thing. It is absolutely a real thing that can happen to anyone, anybody. It doesn't have to just happen to the person in leadership or on the stage. It can happen to anyone. And it doesn't usually look like a big, giant production on a person being called out and stepping down from their role. It's often subtle, invisible, and unnoticeable. It's in the compromises that we make just a little at a time. Just a little at a time. Falling from grace happens when we 
have chosen sin over him. When we have chosen sin over him. It's when we either verbally, mentally, or even unconsciously tell God that I actually prefer the sin over you. I prefer it. I'm not going to change. I prefer it. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, about the type of, of redemption that's coming for those who are seeking after him. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm talking about, God, I prefer it. I want to keep that. I'm not giving it up. It's the decisions that we make. Let me tell you, by doing this, when this happens, when, I, when you prefer, when you say, I'm keeping this with me, I'm not giving it up. By doing this, you, the individual, I have chosen to give God's grace back to him. We're handing it back. Thank you for it. I actually prefer this. And you're handing it back to him. And it's important to know this, that God is never knocking on the door to say, I need it back. I need my grace back. You're not living up to the standard, so I need it back. In fact, change this, and then you can come back and receive my grace. No. Every time that we choose sin, when we say we prefer this over you, we are handing it back by free will to God's hands. It's yours now. It was nice while it lasted, but I like that more. Here's your grace back. Church, we must wake up. We have to wake up. If we don't, let me tell you, we must start calling sin, sin. We have to do it. We cannot agree to disagree on this. We cannot compromise on this thing. If we don't wake up, here's my fear, my personal fear, is that if we don't wake up, it won't just be the members of the church falling from grace. It will be the church falling from grace. The whole thing. That the church will no longer be a symbol, be a light in a dark world. It will become a part of the world. That if we don't wake up, if that happens, we will be willingly, as the church, handing his grace back to him. And when we choose the world over him, what happens is an entire brand new generation, an entire generation will be raised from inside the church who will be trained to call what is evil good. And what is called what is good, they would be trained to say that is evil. And while we're doing it, the world will be patting us on the back. You're doing a good thing. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And who is holy, continue to be holy. For behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha 
and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life. They may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Revelation 22. Where are you standing today? Where are you standing today? The world has gotten very loud. There's a lot of arguing going on out there. It's a lot of people saying you have to pick sides. It's no brotherhood, no friendships. It's always, it seems to be us and them. In the world, there's no room for grace. That's not a thing. That's kind of our thing. The church. See, the church is a place where you can have different opinions, but one savior. The church is a place where we don't lean into the world's standards, but we keep to what God's are. That's going to be some unpopular conversations. But I'm going to tell you this. It is possible, church. It is very possible to invite the world to come as you are, but keep to the promises of God. You and I, our job isn't to save, to cleanse. We try to. Sometimes we try to get the Bible and we're just going to beat it into them if we have to. But that's not our role. Our role is to be hands and feet. And when they come as they are, they will leave not as they were. You and I are the representation in flesh of the love of Jesus Christ. We got to do it. How is your heart? How is your soul? How is your mind? I'm going to tell you now. <clears throat> We're going to talk about this grace thing. I'm not going to drag this out. I promise. But I have to say, church, those who claim and call on the name of Jesus Christ, we must, we must pray for holiness. We must pray for cleansing. We must pray, Lord, sanctify us. If right now, anyone who can hear my voice online or in person, anyone, if you right now are caught up 
an affair. Stop it. Stop it. If right now you're abusing your family, stop it. If you are staying up late and going to websites you shouldn't be going to, stop it. Come as you are. So that he, he can do what we can't. Thank you for listening to Refresh. Be sure to hit subscribe and like us on Facebook and YouTube to never miss an episode. If you liked what you heard, be sure to share it with your friends and family. We pray that you will be refreshed and ready to take on your week. See you next time. God bless.